Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. This was practiced in Egypt where they came out of, and it would be practiced in Canaan. And guess what? It's going to be practiced all the way throughout their historical journey. It was a major problem in Rome. It was a major problem in Rome. And I'm going to tell you this. this I don't think this is being prophetic at all because the writing is on the wall. This will become an even greater problem for America. It will. It's a slippery slope. Once things start getting, uh, once things become permissible, it's a very slippery slope. Sexual promiscuity in any form leads to more and more depraved practices. The argument that someone is born with certain desires or leanings can easily be stretched to include practices that most still consider deplorable. Where do we draw the line? As Pastor James will point out in today's message, God is the one who draws lines. We can't try to force him into the box that we want him to fit into. We're the ones that need to conform and submit to his design and his will for humanity. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 18 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. pro-life from the cradle to the grave. That's how pro-life we are. So you guys know our deal. I wanna, we want to embrace them when they come into this world, and we want to hold their hands when they're leaving this world. That's how pro-life we are. That's just, and that's who Calvary Galveston will always be, always. Let's talk about homosexuality. <laughs> why not? <laughs> hey, why not? Why not throw some more gasoline onto the fire? Um, yeah. Uh, do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man as with a woman, it is a detestable sin. There you go. And I know I've watched videos today on people who argue against this. They're all intelligent people. Um, some of them work in churches. Some of them do not. Some of them don't even believe the Bible. Uh, but uh, they were arguing from this point of how it doesn't mean this, and it was applied to like, you know, homosexuality is actually welcomed within, and it's okayed within the Bible, but this is talking about when you go to Israel and then there's these religious temples set up and male prostitution was a part of that. Like you can't, you can't go to church and have sex with a prostitute is what they were saying. But if you want to have, you know, a, a same sex, you know, relationship with somebody, then that's okay. This is what the world, this is how some of the world is interpreting the scripture. Here's my problem with that. This is not the only place where the Bible talks about this, okay? And, and here's the deal. Here's the deal with, with same-sex uh, relationships, okay? I'm not talking about, like, we, we could do a whole study on same-sex attraction and same-sex relationships, okay? We can do a whole thing on that. Um, I'm not going to do that today. But concerning homosexuality, it was addressed in Genesis before the law existed. And then it's addressed in a few times in Leviticus. And then it is also addressed in the New Testament. Okay? So I think the Lord was pretty clear on his stance on this. Okay? Now, I want, want you to understand, I have friends that I care about that wrestle with these things. That wrestle with these things. 
I've had students come through my youth ministry who come to me and said, hey, just let me let you know, I'm gay. I say, okay, look, my love for you does not change. But I need to tell you, this is what the word says concerning that. You know, and, and, and I've had those conversations with people and I, my relationship with those individuals has not changed. I said, I will always be, if you need anything, I will always be available. As your pastor, I will always be available to talk, to, to whatever. But I don't agree with you. In fact, we had somebody reach out to us um, when we first started this church. And she was looking, she, she's a uh, lesbian, and she was looking like, well, what's your church's stances on this? And I said, well, this is, where we're, this is our stance on it. We, we, we affirm what the Bible says. You know, but that doesn't mean that we don't want you to show up. You know, and that's, that's the thing is like, anybody can come. Now, where some churches go a little bit wrong is like, yeah, we want you to come, but we never expect you to change. But that's, that's, not, a, that's not healthy. Okay, and, and, it's, and it's wrong just to apply that to one group of people. Okay, because that applies to all sorts of people. The adulterer who shows up to church, we want that person to change. Okay, the liar who shows up to church, we want that person to change. We want, we want transformation. We want people to be set free. And so our door is open. It's open to anybody. But man, we want Christ, for them to have an encounter with Jesus, and to be set free, and for transformation to happen. And what that looks like post and all that good stuff, like that's, it's a journey. It's a long journey. And don't think that, I mean, if you read anybody's story, um, Man, anybody who was part of this, this lifestyle that, you know, came out of that, it, it's a long road. It's a long journey. But it's something that I think Christians need to be, instead of like turning a blind eye to or like, oh, we don't want to engage in that because it's uncomfortable or talks with that. And our, look, our, our role as a church is to fulfill the Great Commission. And we don't get to discriminate on who we share the gospel with. He didn't say, go into all the nations. Well, except for these people, he didn't say that. He says, go into all the nations. Preach the word. Share the gospel. Baptize. I mean, it's Jackie Hill Perry. You guys know her? Man, she's amazing. Amazing. And she came out of that lifestyle. Read her book. Um, Was it Good God, Gay Girl? Or is it Gay Girl, Good God? Phenomenal story of how, what the Lord has done with her and that. Tremendous. But this is like, this is one of those things where, and this is hard to say these things because you, the attacks will come. The attacks will come. That's why a lot of pastors have checked their spines at the door and they don't want to stand for truth anymore because they're like, well, I don't want to upset anybody. This is what the word says. If you've got a problem with it, I'm not the one you take it up with. I didn't write it. He did. And but again, this is something I want to address with truth and love. Truth and love. Because I bet you have, you have people that you're close to that fall within this category. And the last thing they need is more Christians to come alongside and bash them over the head. Truth and love. Truth says, man, this is what God's word says. And love says, love is I'm going to tell you what the word says, but I'm also, I'm not going to bell on you. I will not bell on you. I will be here for you. I will be here for you. 
but the practice of homosexuality, I mean, there's, there's Bible passages. Genesis 19 is, is the first. I mean, you got Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's, that's where we first see that. And, and we, we know what happened to those two, those two cities, those two towns, villages. Um, and some people would like to say, modern scholars would say, well, it wasn't because of homosexuality. It was because they were inhospitable. And that was like a crime. And I'm like, well, yeah, they were inhospitable. I agree with you on that. However, they were trying to sexually assault Okay, That's, that was bad. It was the men of the city trying to sexually assault someone. And God's like, I'm going to wipe this town out. I'm going to wipe. And he often does this like in, in the very beginning to communicate how he feels about certain things. Ananias and Sapphira, when they brought their offering to the church, when the church first got started up and they were, everybody's given what they could, people are given land and property and all that good stuff. And they're like, yeah, we got property. We're going to give all we have. And they lied. And the Holy Spirit killed them. He killed them. Like, they dropped dead in church, you know? And then, but that was God letting the church know in the very beginning, I take sin very seriously. I take it very seriously. And so should we. Why? Because he is holy, and we ought to be holy as well. So he's addressing this, because this was, this was practiced in Egypt, where they came out of, and it would be practiced in Canaan. And guess what? It's going to be practiced all the way throughout their historical journey. It was a major problem in Rome. It was a major problem in Rome. And I'm going to tell you this. this, I don't think this is being prophetic at all because the writing is on the wall. This will become an even greater problem for America. It will. It's a slippery slope. Once things start getting, uh, once things become permissible, it's a very slippery slope. And unfortunately, that list we just read through, some of those things will be green-lighted and okayed within our nation. I mean, it just, it just will. We already have professors who are saying, like, yeah, adults should be able to have sex with kids. That's already going on, right? It, it, they can't help it. They can't help it. You know, that's, that's just how they're wired. So we need to, instead of making them feel bad about that, we need to, what? We've lost our minds. We've lost our minds. It's a slippery slope. And God is establishing parameters. Why? Because he cares about his people. He says, look, just stay within the boundaries. Stay within the boundaries. The temptation may be to go outside the boundaries for this thing or for that thing. And God says, stay within the boundaries. It's safer in here. It's safer in here. So uh, Leviticus, or I'm sorry, Genesis 19, Judges chapter 19 talks about that as well, Leviticus 18 and 20. Romans chapter 1 uh, obviously addresses that, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and 1 Timothy, I believe, chapter 1, um, you know, kind of references these things. It, it's not his design. It's not his design. The only other thing I would say on this, and then I'm going to move on. In the beginning, God, cre- God created them male and female. And he took Eve out of, out of Adam, right? As a suitable helper. Suitable in that uh, means opposite of him, okay? In that, in that language, when he made Eve as a suitable helper, it means opposite of him, okay? Opposite, man and woman. And God put them together, why? To procreate, to fill the world, right? And, and that was part of it. And then you have, within that, in my brain, automatically goes towards, what if the enemy would like to disrupt that thing? And we know he does. 
We know he does. Why? Because there was a promise made in Genesis chapter 3 that a, that a, a seed would come. His name is Jesus. Well, you can only get that through a man and a woman and continual reproduction, continual reproduction. So why not, if I was the enemy, I would throw a wrench in the whole, pro, the whole process and not just try to destroy, you know, biblical marriage and all that stuff, but biblical relationships at that. The other fascinating thing about it is you're staying in Genesis, you get into the story of Noah, the story of Noah, and it was uh, his son Ham, right, who Noah got drunk after the flood, okay, and then he was in his tent, and his son came in, and he, he, he leered at his dad. Like, we don't know what happened. I don't think there was anything that physically took place, but he... There was, it was just, it was disrespectful, it was dishonoring, and all that good stuff. And then he went and got his brothers, and they did the right thing. They walked in backwards, and they covered up dad in his nakedness, 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 if I'm a Texan, right? Um, but then Ham, who's the father of the Canaanites, and also the Egyptians, where you came from and where you're going, God's saying, stay within the boundaries, because whatever Cain or Ham did, it, the curse went on to Cain and his son. And now God has given his people of Israel a heads up. So there's a lot of correlation that goes back there. It's, there's nothing new or anything like that. But when God says, hey, just stay away from this, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. All right, moving on from that. Um, that's enough of that talk. Uh, I would like to say that'd be the last time we address that issue, but it's not going to be because there's a good chance after Mark, we're going to go into the book of Romans. And then I got to go through it all over again. Um, but why? Because I love and I care. Look, here's the deal. I love and I care about people within the homosexual community. Yeah, it's, Jesus does. So we do too. I don't agree with it, but you better believe we love and we care about those people because I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody to die apart from Jesus. No, I don't care what they're involved in. Well, there's some things that make me, uh, you know, there's some things that I'm like, oh, Lord, you really have to help me with that one, to love somebody who does this. I'm in the fostering world, right? And so when you start messing with kids, ooh, that's a hard one for me, for people who mess with kids. Those are hard people for me to love. That has to be supernatural. That has to be supernatural. Yeah, that's hard. That's really hard. However, man, I, I want to see people the way that Jesus sees people. I want them to see people the way that he does. Uh, so there you go. Verse 23. <laughs> oh, man. A man must not defile himself by having sex with an animal. Uh, why not? Um, right, here we go. Like, let's just, this is, okay. Um, bestiality. Uh, don't, yeah, and a woman must not make, offer herself to a, a male animal to have intercourse with it. This is a perverse act. Duh, okay? But this is what was going on. This is happening today as well. It's wrong. It's wrong. I tell my kids this. I say, do not be surprised when you see across the news channel someone getting married to their pet because that day is coming. The day is coming. You're like, no way. No. It, it's, it's going to happen. It will happen. And you know what's going to happen? Our world will celebrate it. Our world will celebrate it. 
And they'll probably dedicate a whole month to it because that's what we do. Bestiality is a sin. Don't do it. I don't need to elaborate on that, so let's move on. Verse 24, do not defile yourself in any of these ways for the people I am driving out before you have defiled themselves in all of these ways, okay? Because the entire land has become defiled, I am punishing the people who live there. You think like, well, that's not fair. 400 years. 400 years. Time to repent. Well, they didn't know. You don't know that. We don't know that. We don't know how God was communicating to people in Israel while the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. That does not mean he was not making himself known to the people. Same thing applies all across this globe. How do we know those poor village people down in the Amazon, not the band from the 70s, but you know what I'm saying, from, uh, from that live in villages in the Amazon who never know about, he has ways of revealing himself. You have a conscience? He's put that inside of you. He knows, how to, he knows how to communicate people and to let people know whether a missionary shows up or not that he is real and he exists, right? God's just. Make no mistake about it. When we get to heaven, whoever stands before him, whoever gets to get in, God knew what was happening, okay? So that's not our business. We, you know, he's not asking us to figure this stuff out. He's just asking us to tell people about him. That's all it is. So he's given this, these people this time to make it right, and they refused. So God's like, I gave them time. Now I, I'm a just God. I have to, I have to deal with sin. I ha- he has to deal with it. Their time is up. So he's going to punish the people who live there. He's like, I will cause the land to vomit them out. You must obey all my decrees and regulations. You must not commit any of these detestable sins. This applies both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners living among you because there were some Egyptians who went with them in the Exodus. And so God lets them know, oh, hey, by the way, you may not be a Hebrew, but the rules apply to you because you're part of the group. You may not have been you know, a descendant of Abraham, but you're in the family, and the rules apply to you as well. Okay? Nobody, nobody gets out of this deal. So he goes on to say, they're detestable foreigners. Verse 27, all these detestable activities are practiced. Uh, that was weird how I phrased that. They're not detestable foreigners. Um, I'm just kind of collecting my brain, like, where I was in the text. Um, and these words are popping out in my head. Um, so that's going to make a nice little edit for somebody to really smear my name in the mud. Um, so, like, he hates foreigners. I actually don't. Um, I love them. Uh, man. Um, yeah, anyways, um, I'm just trying to find my place. So, anyways, verse 27. All these detestable activities are practiced by the people of the land where I'm taking you, and this is how the land has become defiled. So do not defile the land and give it a reason to vomit you out as it will vomit out the people who live there now. That's a warning. And that is a warning that the children of Israel did not heed because they got vomited out. Not just once, a couple of times. God's serious. Just as serious as he was with the Canaanites, he was serious with his own kids. He's like, you better listen to me. Stay within the boundaries. It, it's, it'll be good for you to stay within the boundaries. And they're like, yeah, amen. Yes, Lord, all that you say, we will do. And then the next day they're sinning and rebelling against God yeah. for years. 
It says, whoever, um, whoever commits any of these detestable sins will be cut off from the community of Israel. So obey my instructions and do not defile yourselves by committing any of these detestable practices that were committed by the people who lived in the land before you. I am the Lord, your God. He's like, I've spoken. I'm the boss. Just do what I say. Do what I say. And we're not going to get into 19 because there's no way possible I can cover this entire chapter. Um, we'll cover that next week. But there's enough there. Wow, there's, uh, there's enough there. You may not want to have discussion groups. You may be like, well, I don't want to talk about any of this stuff anymore. Um, and that's fine. But I think it is good for us to, it, it's good for us to address these things. It, man, it, we, we need to be the church. And what I mean by that is we're salt and light, okay? Expelling darkness, you know, and then salt is like this preserving factor. Like that's what the church is meant to be in this world that we occupy that is just growing every day. It just seems like it's just more and more corrupt. This is our time. This is our time to be effective, to shine. You exist right now at this moment in history, because number one, God wants you to be here right now, and he's got a plan for you within the community that you exist. Like there's reason and there's purpose behind your existence. And don't think like, oh, I wish I would have lived back then. No, you don't. I wish I would have lived maybe, no, no, you live right now. And just like with Esther, for such a time as this, you exist and you're here. And I know there may be a lot of things going on within the world that we just don't agree with and all that good stuff. We're here now because he has us here now to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that are lost. They're lost. And if his heart breaks for individuals who, if they go to hell, it's because they reject him. But it doesn't mean it doesn't break his heart. And that's, that should be our viewpoint on it as well. And I don't care what group they assign themselves to or they fit into or whatever, whether they be like just a harsh atheist, want nothing to do with God and all that good stuff, or you name it. We don't want any of them to die apart from Jesus, knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so we can't hide out as a church and we can't turn a blind eye to, to things that are happening within our world and all that good stuff. And we ought to have compassion for the lost. Compassion for the lost, whomever they may be. Because I just want to see people how God sees people. I want, Lord, I need your eyes. Give me your ears to hear what's really, being, what's really being said out there, what's going on, or what those cries are, like that blind man that was crying out to Jesus, and the disciples are like, shut up. And Jesus is like, don't tell him. <laughs> He's crying out for me. I don't, want to be one, I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. And so with harsh things and heavy things that we talk about from the scriptures, and I I get like, they won't make you a lot of friends. They actually may make you more enemies. We're going to speak the truth, but we're going to do it in love because we love people, because we care about people. We care about their souls.
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is making his way through the book of Leviticus. Now, when we open the book of Leviticus, we first read these words. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He starts talking to Moses about the offerings that the people are to bring. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar, as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The animals they offered were to be without blemish. Now, we know that when Jesus died on the cross, he was the perfect Lamb of God. And yet the writer of Romans says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We no longer sacrifice animals to cover our sin, but in reverence and in worship of Jesus who paid that price for us once and for all, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. The book of Leviticus can open our eyes to how we're to live before the King of Kings. Here at Bread for the Broken, we're committed to helping people find hope and new life in Jesus. To hear other great messages filled with that hope and life, head over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. That's all that we have for today. Pastor James will be back with you next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.